Hey guys, welcome to episode 6 of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. Uh, it was great having Paul on the podcast on the last episode. The feedback has been amazing so far. Uh, this week is going to be slightly different. This week is going to be concentrating on kind of getting lean in 2019. And this week I've got Ben Heron, who is a PT up in Belfast. I've uh, been following Ben for a, while, a good while on Instagram. His message is very simple. It's not all drastic. Ben started off as kind of skinny teenager, a bit like myself. And then he's kind of gone on to kind of being in pretty decent nick. And he's kind of doing 50% face-to-face coaching, 50% online coaching. And he's been doing photo shoots. And now he has his own Guide to Talk podcast as well, which is doing great. And he's had an amazing guest on it so far. So I'm just going to introduce Ben. Thanks very much for coming on to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. And hopefully... We can give some value. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that's that's exactly what we want. What we want to do. So, the kind of the topics that I think we're going to be hopefully talking about would be kind of creating habits or where to start on your food and your training. Kind of the importance of setting goals, and then the kind of the importance of kind of the protocols that people who are starting out training wise. Because I know in twenty nineteen, and what we we're speaking about off air is that people just want the quick fat, the quick win. And kind of, we we just want to kind of say that it's not the the all or nothing approach will not work. So we just kind of, we we want to kind of get that message across. So like, if you were to with your clients and stuff like that, when you're kind of when Mary walks in off the road or John walks in off the road, where would you start with them? Say if they were trying to lose twenty pounds, where would you kind of start with those guys? If Mary or John was trying to lose twenty pounds, basically. You need to uh, go into the psychological aspect. Um, we would need to explore why they want to lose 20 pounds. Why haven't they lost 20 pounds so far? What have they been doing to get, like, if they're wanting to change that 20 pounds is some form of change, then we need to know what do they want to change? What do they need to change? How are we going to change it? What time periods are we going to change it? How can I hold them accountable to that change? What metrics can we set in place? to notice that we are seeing that change. Um, so they would be all sort of key factors um, that I would sort of look at. Um, like I said, on, I made a post earlier on today on social media, there is no one-size-fits-all approach, but we need to go to the underlying sort of mechanisms that like why do you want to change and what can we change? Um, and that's going to dictate how we set a protocol. So let's give an example so that someone can maybe put this into context and things. So, Shane, you're wanting to build some muscle. So you, are, you want to build some muscle because uh, you want to feel strong, etc., etc., etc. I'll ask you, why do you want to feel strong? You'll maybe tell me because you don't feel strong or something like that or um, because you've always wanted to be 100 kilo or something like that, right? Well, you'll go into that. And then I'll maybe say, well, what, what have you been doing currently? So it's a kind of like a needs and wants analysis. So what, what have you been doing and what do we need to do and what could we do and things like that? And then how can we measure that? So could we maybe look at, right, let's put on one kilo per week. Let's eat more protein. Let's make sure those protein sources are rotated throughout the day, etc. Let's, um, let's make sure we're rest and recovering. And then let's set an end goal. So a nice little strategy, right? If someone's maybe listening to this to sort of sum that all up is I like to call it my sort of like little formula, the ABC of change. So you ABC, right? So A stands for accountability, acceptance. B 
B stands for barriers, and then C can stand for change, chasing that change, etc., etc., etc. And I want you to get three boxes, right? So the A, B, C, change, right? So first off, you need to accept where you are right now or be accountable. It might not be perfect. It might be you might not be happy with it. Well, to be honest, you probably won't be happy with it. Shane and I were talking about having uh, you need some form of breakdown to break through. Then you need to go to the opposite side. So what? What change are we chasing? Are we chasing a better physique? Are we chasing a healthier lifestyle? Are we chasing to move pain free? Are we chasing to um, get into a wedding dress, etc., etc., etc.? So what we then what we need to do is basically um, we need to say from how are we going to get from A to C and what barriers are going to come in way. So my journey or Shane's journey is never perfect. All of my clients' journeys are never perfect. There's always barriers to work to look into. So, for example, me and Shane before, we were talking about being crazy busy. For me, having time to cook, um, maybe having influence from my girlfriend, go and eat food, etc., that isn't necessarily going to do me any good. Um, there's a whole host of factors, buyers, and I'll be different person to person. But if that's what you kind of need to do, you need to see, right, where am I now? And you need to be pretty brutal. And sometimes it takes a little bit of questioning from someone to get that out of you. So, like, if I was to turn around now and say, right, Shane, what's your dad like? You'd be like, ah, good. But when we get into the nitty-gritty and we look at, right, well, what could it be? What What's the issue? Um, th- then we have all those things accountable and acceptance. And the reason why, like, someone like myself and Shane can really get this out and really personalise this and really get the things that you need is because we know the information. We know where people are going wrong and... And the little, the little small details and things like that, and then because of that, see that change, then that's that's your goal. I can't tell you what you want, but it, but we can help you find that. We can help you find that clarity. We can help you find that uh, what you really want by questioning you, by helping you get it out there, things like that. And then the B barriers, we you that'll be your life, but we'll be able to sort of take an outside perspective outside perspective and maybe uh, help you find out what are the barriers um, because everything comes down to habits. Shane mentioned the word habits and right now you're a sum of your habits. So if you're out of shape, that you've done the habits to get there and if you want to be in shape, we need to change the habits to get there. So a habit basically comes from the habit, the cue, the reward. So the cue is the barriers bit that we're getting at. So long story short, that's how I would go about things. That's a little template that you can do. You get the ABC boxes and you can try out yourself. Um, yeah, so a lot of it is psychological first and then we can sort of put the, the nutritional and the training information on top of that. Um, and like I said, there's no one-size-fits-all approach, but that's how I would go about it with a client to help them get that detailed uh, journey system in place for their, for their goal. And like one of the things that I kind of come across a lot is that people who may not have been counting calories before or let alone macros, but they're afraid that they can get kind of get bogged down in the my fitness pal and counting the calories. What tactic would you kind of advise to someone that hasn't been hasn't done one hasn't done done it before, and two is kind of scared of kind of getting almost addicted to the adherence side of things like what would what approach would you kind of take with those guys so let's let's take a bigger look at things right so if someone's wanting to track calories there's obviously a goal there of wanting to build muscle or lose body fat right so they're both adaptations 
Now, what does it take to get those adaptations? What's the principles? So if someone wants to lose body fat, they need a calorie deficit. So they do. Now, there's different methods to get that calorie deficit. So it could be Weight Watchers, it could be 5-2, it could be intermittent fasting, it could be car backloading, it could be tracking calories in my fitness belt, it could be avoiding bread, it could be loads of different things. And they're all methods to get to that adaptation. So what we need to then look at is we need to look, like another analogy that I like to think about this is imagine getting drunk, right? That's an adaptation you're trying to chase. Say, for example, you could get drunk many different ways. You could get drunk on shots, you'll get there quick. You could get drunk on champagne, beers, cider, things like that. And they're all just different ways that you can get drunk. It's the exact same with all these dietary methods. So if someone's having hesitations over over tracking calories and things like that, we just need to basically be fluid in our approach but keep the goal still the same. So we need to be fluid in regards to, right, I don't like tracking calories. It's too much stress and I don't want to do it. So then we need to explore, right, What's it? The adaptation is a calorie deficit. What's the principles of calorie deficit? You take less, you take in less calories than what you need, etc. So we then look at maybe trying intermittent fasting. Then we look at maybe trying, uh, we maybe look at trying keto diet. We maybe look at trying Weight Watchers. We maybe look at trying the Slim World. So none of these methods are better than one than the other. Now I've like, it's not. It's the, the best diet for you will be the best diet that you can follow. So what myself and you need to do is just help educate people so that they can follow different methods and make it seem easy. So, for example, um, if if you asked me when I started out training, tracking calories and things like that, that would have been easy. I would have had cement. My motivation was crazy high. Now, right now, I couldn't be bothered tracking my fitness file. It's not that I couldn't be bothered, but it's just, it's not a high motive. Obviously, I've built the skill. I know uh, I know why it's beneficial and things like that, but I would prefer to mainly use like a less, so say for example, I went on my fitness pal and I wanted to eat 2,000 calories and I would usually eat four meals. Well, another way that I could get the same calories is just by reducing the meals and having two meals of 1,000 calories. So that's two different methods. One reason why I like to encourage my clients to use my fitness pal is what you get on my fitness pal is you get to understand the calories that are in foods, the, the macronutrients, so the protein, fats, and carbs, and things like that. And from that understanding, it gives you a better understanding so that you can intuitively eat down the line. But like you said, you can get addictive, and I'm sure you maybe have experienced this with clients and things like that. 100%, um, yeah. It can ruin, um, like, so for example, if someone goes out and they realize that they had a cheeseburger and chips and they realize it's 1,500 calories out of their 2,000 calorie allowance, that can often be negative for them um, and actually cause uh, a bit of annoyance and frustration compared to where they might have just got back on track if they didn't have that. So there is pros and cons, um, and there's no method that's better than that, that's better than another method um, and things like that but what we what myself and she and what we need to look at is what what sort of things can really help people like lose weight and get like keep that weight sustained so the common sort of things that are coming out now is that the main things to help someone long term so not just get the after photo but 12 months after the photo will be some form of accountability so that could be through weighing yourself every day that could be weighing yourself frequently some form of measurement some form of photo some form of uh, assessment a, a gym body etc um, some form of restraint 
So there is, like, if we want to stay in shape and things like that, um, there is our environment these days. We're covered by tons of crappy foods uh, all the time. You walk down the street, there's crappy foods everywhere. Your friends are offering you your lunch break, the eating out, etc. Even our society, it's kind of eat well during the week, go mad at the weekend, uh, and things like that. So we need some form of some form of restraint, and all those methods are just some form of restraint. And then the other thing is a new environment, so that you create that environment, so you you um. Where the environment's normal, like that success is normal. So if you go to the gym, it's normal for you to um, eat better. It's not like you wouldn't see if you walk around a gym, you wouldn't see people who eat takeaways every single night of the week and things like that. So there are like three main sort of characteristics off the top of my head that really help people get weight off and then also sustain it. So long story short, I hate rambling and I know I've rambled here, but um, think of the methods rather uh, think of the adaptation and then there's various different methods and then think of the tips that are not just going to help you get weight off but also sustain it long term and i've noted some of those perfect um i know one of the things that i kind of come across a lot as a coach and i'm sure you do as well but via online and face to face is that people struggle with kind of their time management i know mary and john down the road are going to have kind of nine to five jobs and nine to six jobs. They're going to have the kids. They're going to have their social life. They're going to have their friends, family, all that kind of stuff. What kind of habits or what kind of adaptions could you recommend for people to try and get some sort of routine or try to kind of work around that schedule to try and get a workout in? What would you kind of suggest to clients that you come across with that? Right. I could say get up early, train. I could say... Um uh, I could say prep your meals in advance and stuff, but that's going to mean nothing. That will mean nothing without the underlying factor. So what we need to do is we need to start like looking at the identity. So looking at um, how do you view yourself? Do you view yourself as fit and healthy and in shape? And do you value fitness and exercise and good quality food? Are you willing to spend a little bit more good quality food, whatever, like frozen pizzas and things like that? And this is a shift in how you view yourself. So that is what I would mainly look at. And that isn't built overnight, that's built over time. So let's maybe take let's maybe tell a story here. So I, for example, um never really valued sleep. I obviously knew you needed sleep and things like that, but um I found myself one day, so I was coaching early in the morning, going to university, coaching after, and I'd done this for a long period of time, and there was just a lot of stress and fatigue building up, and I, I didn't really have any attention. I just thought it was I needed to um, work more. I, need, I had all these clients that were wanting served and things like that, but what I used to do was I, I, I got on the train after work, and I often woke up in Portadown. Now, Portadown is an hour away from where I lived. And the reason why is because when I sat down on that train, I just started falling asleep. I didn't realize how tired I was. I was so high on the adrenaline of coaching and the music, the atmosphere and things like that. And I wasn't taking care of myself. So 
And I remember a lot of people tell me that I used to yawn, I used to drink a lot of coffee, I used to um, always be sore um, after my workouts, but I didn't take any notion of that. I didn't care about that. Like it just was, that was seen as normal for me. And when you're in such like a sleep deficiency and things like that, you often become immune to it. You don't actually, well not immune, but you don't actually realise that you're sleep deficient, that your, your, your stress tolerance gets higher and things like that. So... One day I just really couldn't wake up out of bed and that was a sign for me. And then I I started to notice my physique deteriorate and I started to notice my energy and things like that, just slowly and gradually. Now, then I reached out for a coach and I reached out for him uh, at first for my own muscle building once because muscle building was a value of mine. I had been doing it for years. I wanted it. But... What he had pointed out, because he's very educated, because he'd probably been through the journey himself and things like that, was that I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't stressing, and that was not only affecting my muscle building needs, wants, values, but also affecting my overall health. So what we worked on together was we worked on, over time, getting my sleep uh, in place. Now, it was an education process and getting this data, so we looked at loads of the, like, we got really geeky and stuff. I'm not saying you need to get geeky, but it took all of this geekiness and all of this data for me to really see, right, there's actually something wrong here. And all the, then when I started reading more, like there's a guy, uh, Matthew Walker, I read a lot of his stuff. I started looking at a lot of sleep podcasts. I started reading some books. I started um, going into the papers and things like that. And when I started reading more, I actually was like, whoa, this has a massive effect. And then my values started to change because I first realized I needed to do something about it. I realized the importance of it. And I had someone else holding me accountable and pointing out to there. So now... I, I've changed the mindset that basically I value my health, I value my training, and I make time for it. It's not a, it's not a, a luxury, um, it's a necessity, it's who I am. And now I'm under the impression that like, for me to help serve others, I need to take care of myself, I need to be better than, I need to be uh, a better Ben, I need to be able to be energized and things like that. So, long story short again, is it's an identity shift it's a mindset shift and i understand that might be hard and practicality and things like that but if you're wanting to do your 14-hour shifts if you're wanting to work back to back if you're wanting to do all that that is short term like there will your your health and your quality of life will deteriorate and it will it'll take a long time it took me a long time to realize that and i'm a personal trainer this is my job to turn around and preach about health and fitness and things like that so for someone mary or joe that's going to be even harder and especially when you're not in the atmosphere of having a coach of having all this information of understanding it and things like that so i can fully relate and understand you but I would definitely say look at the mindset first in regards to uh, valuing yourself and valuing your own time. And the more you value your own time and your own food and your own sleep and take care of yourself, the more confident you'll become, the more energized you'll become. And in your job, in your family, in your work, in your training, you'll be able to be a better Mary or a better Joe. So that and you, when you've got that in line, it's it's not a it's not a I'll maybe do it. It's a necessity. You find the way. So you look up on the internet ways that you can prepare meals quicker, ways that you can get more sleep how can you do a nap on a sunday how can you um 
how can you systemize your time? Can you maybe buy back time? So can you maybe hire a cleaner to do your cleaning for you? Can you do Tesco delivery shopping and things like that? So going into, that's all the stuff at the surface level, but the first off is we need the, the, the mentality there first to value yourself and that all comes from an identity. So yeah, what do you think about that, Shane? That's a, that's amazing resource. It really is just changing the, the, the kind of the mindset like the only person that can kind of get you to do something is yourself. There's, there's so many podcasts, there's so many books, there's so many programs and stuff that are, uh, that are out there at the moment that can try and motivate you, but ultimately it has to be within you. And we we're kind of talking about off air about kind of either the clients or ourselves are kind of one of those epiphany moments. Either whether it's looking at a picture of you when you were younger or when you were in a family photo or that. that that's that's your ultimate motivation and kind of use that as the fuel for fire and i find that's the one that i use myself about kind of the kind of the motivation thing and kind of creating the habits there's only so much someone else can do and if people think that uh that sometimes people find that hiring a coach may be the final answer but there's only so much that we can do as a coach or as a person it has to be within you um i know some people kind of from experience, some people ultimately just hire a coach and expect this magic button to be pushed and £30 are going to fall off. But it has to be within the motivation. The reason why is the biggest thing. And that needs to be kind of put across to you. And you need to be reminded of that every so often. So what I've kind of said to my clients for 2019 is almost set right in the calendar for 2019 or get one of those diaries that, that you can go and buy in Easton's or any little corner shop and say, I want to kind of fit into X dress by April, or I've got a summer holiday in July, I've got like another wedding in September, and set those as kind of your mini, mini goals. And that was kind of one of the things that I was going to lead on to was kind of the goal side of things, uh, and kind of where to start. I know when I first started out, I was just doing it for because I, I, I did the Joe Wicks plan and some people don't like Joe Wicks, which is fair enough, but he, he was the one that kind of got me into a routine and different strokes for different folks. So where would be the, the point where you kind of say to someone kind of where to start like with your food? You know, the food seems to be the biggest thing. There's a lot of stuff out there on social media there's so many different people that are putting out information is there any one source that you would kind of follow for that kind of nutritional advice if you were kind of to sift through the waffle that's out there at the minute right well i'll tell you mine take sugar out of your tea <laughs> <laughs> so um right i started off training and i started off this whole fitness journey in my kitchen in my parents house when i was 16 years old okay and I started off one day in the kitchen, I really remember very clearly, and I just said, you know what, I'm going to try and get in better shape, I'm going to try and get fitter, healthier, and things like that. Now, I didn't do that whole ABC back then, like that wasn't, that was later down the line, and that, like if you're listening to this podcast, you're later down the line, you're, I would, this is, this was just uh, uneducated Ben, who just wanted to get a bit healthier and fitter. So, I started by that, and I used to drink, I think it was three, four sugars, and I dropped it down to like one and splendid and things like that. And that is a habit, a system, and things like that. And then I built on that. So I started going to the gym. I done my ab crunches. I done my bicep curls. I done my treadmill. And looking back on that, is that right? No. I don't coach my guys anywhere near like that. 
But you, the thing, the thing that I'm telling you, all these stories and things like that, is the main thing here is I done the actions, and I find out the the best way later on down the line. I find out the mo- the best macro split. I find out the best training split. And from all of these frustrations and this journey, I now give my clients a better service. And like, what would it take me five years? It takes them one year because I've got that experience and I've done it. But the main thing that got me here was doing that work, was dropping the sugars out of the tea. And now in regards to goals, was what you first need is momentum. You need a win. You need progression. You need to know that it's going in the right way. And I wasn't going and running a marathon. Right now, I'm training for a marathon. I'm going to run a marathon. Later on today, I'm going to run 20 kilometers. But that took seven years to get there. So what I am going to say is start small and then overcome on. But the reason, now, that was my mentality back then. That was where I was at psychologically. I didn't have the level of awareness that I do now. If, for example, this is Mary or Joe and you're in a complete rut, sometimes like a complete overhaul can't be good. Like you, Shane talked about one day, just had this epiphany, blah, 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 and just took action. They can be, it can be massive, but the main underlying factor here is that there's action take on the, on the first go. So it depends what you want. It depends on what you're willing to do. It depends what you're willing to give up. So it kind of, again, goes back to the ABC. What do you want to change and how you go about it? And then in regards to like setting the goals is you need to set something. So mine at the start was T. Right now, my goal is a marathon, but there needs to be something that's set and something that there is same progression on. In regards to time limits and stuff like that, yes, time limits are amazing, um, but I do think as well you can't have open-ended goals. So like one, for example, my whole coach, my whole career, I have a goal of basically um, writing a book one day called Guy Talk that helps thousands of men basically pick up this book and they know right how they're going to lose weight, how they're going to build muscle, how they're going to build their confidence, build themselves, how they're going to build a business, how they're going to better themselves. Now, I don't have a date on that, but it's what I'm working towards. It's why I'm on this podcast today sharing my message. It's why I was reading earlier on. So there is, we can be fluid with our goals and stuff. And what I am trying to say is it doesn't always need to be an eight-week plan. It doesn't always need to be the date or something like that. That can help and that can be massive, but it's knowing when and how to use those. And yeah that it can be open-ended as well. Um, but the main thing I would say is some form of progression. Um, how, I know a lot, like we're in kind of a generation where we're kind of, you see a lot of things advertised up on social media and TV and stuff like that about kind of the, the quick fixes or the Herbalife or the Slimmer World or all that kind of stuff. And people just seem to want quick fixes straight away. How would you kind of get someone's mindset away from kind of literally wanting to lose a stone in six weeks, what would be your maybe two or three points to kind of get someone away from that mentality? Well, you're doing Mac Nutrition, right? Yeah. Uh, Ma- Martin McDonald is a massive fan of aggressive dieting. And I think I've, I've had clients do aggressive dieting yeah. and I've had clients do have calories or a lot lower calories than what they what is deemed acceptable and things like that. So... I hate to say it, but it depends on the context. So, like I said, I started off there with sugar and built on it over gradually. But there's clients that I have, like, for example, I'll tell you my first ever female client that I had three years ago was, um, she was 22 stone over, she was 22 stone, she was overweight, and 
I drastically reduced her calorie intake, made her walk every day, things like that. But by the end of that year, that December, she had lost nine stone and ran 10 kilometers. And the first ever, she can walk for five minutes. So that aggressive action and that aggressive accountability was what she needed at that time. There is a time, but the reason why I was able to do that is because I'm educated. I know what to look out for, when the sort the symptoms, when the drawback of diet. Because we need to remember, dieting is a stressor. It, it it's it's a controlled start. It's controlled starvation. So. I don't want to turn around and say that we all should go a slow, sustainable approach because there isn't, there isn't, uh, that isn't, that isn't uh, the best option for every single person. Sometimes an aggressive option can be amazing, can be beneficial, can help them get healthier, quicker, and things like that. But where I will take a look at and where I will comment on is when you're seeing these Botox teas, when you're seeing the methods and things like that, is we need to raise our eye and be better at doing our research. So the likes of myself and the likes of Shane, you can tell that we're educated. You can tell that we're looking at the top guys. You can tell that we're getting results with our clients. You can tell that we care about our clients. The fact that we're doing this on our Sunday afternoon to help you guys shows that we're uh, we're authentic, we care, and things like that. So I would, if I was listening to this, is do your research in regards to has the coach, has the person, has the method, does it get results time and time again, and is it authentic, uh, is it educated, and uh, can you talk to that person or can you find out more about that method or find out someone who prescribes that method um, or follows that method or uh, talks about that approach or a specialist at that approach and then you'll be able to be better because you'll be able to have a better sort of plan for you. So I disagree with um, going slow and sustainable with your fat loss efforts or, um, all the time. Um, I do feel that there's a time and a place where someone needs to take massive action and that that can be more beneficial for them than taking a slow and sustainable approach. And I think where we need to maybe look at is the research in regards to what approach we're going to take. And do you remember what you had that, the, the lady that was on the, who was 22 stone and lost the nine stone within 12 months, do you remember what kind of calories she was on or how many times a week was she trying training? She was doing activity every single day. She went from never doing activity in five years and doing activity every single day. Um, when I'm talking activity, it start off with five minutes walk, and then start off with progress into thirty minutes walk. Um, two uh, months later, then it started off to three weight sessions a week on a walk every other on a walk and day she wasn't. Then it started off into um, doing some jogging four times a week and doing those three weights, etc., etc. And we built on it over time, so like that. Um, calorie wise, we didn't count calories. Um, but I knew that was less calories and things like that. Um, I gave her meals that she had to get eight and things like that, but it definitely wasn't nowhere near what she needed. But the thing was that what I'm saying, why that was beneficial was because I had her highly motivated because I had done that ABC. I had understood the psychological aspect behind that. I knew her and I was able to be confidently give her what she needed. So that's the, that's why that worked. Um, but again, that isn't that's an example um, of me going against the norm. And the reason why I'm saying that norm is because that might be open for you. Um, and what I'm ta- what I'm 
what I've said so far in this podcast is to look much to look more than just the surface level. The surface level is me to turn around and say, eat some more protein, blah blah blah. That's amazing. That is brilliant. And it is good guidelines for for the majority of people. But that isn't that might not be suited to the best of your ability. And the re the, the term personal trainer is for us to do those personal methods to you. And that's, uh, like, I hate, like, obviously, I will shout and scream how good a personal trainer is. I've invested in it for seven years myself. I am one now. So I will shout and scream about how good personal trainers are and how we help people and stuff like that. But that's why um, following a one-size-fits-all approach might not be beneficial for you. I think I, I like the answer about kind of like the whole thing that we are personal trainers. Sometimes we, sometimes we can kind of fall into the trap that we are. I know some people can anyway. It's kind of that we're not personal trainers and that some people kind of just hand out, can hand out meal plans and stuff like that. I think that's one of the things I've kind of the feedback that I've gotten anyway from clients online and face to face is the tailored approach. I think if someone, I know it's kind of January now and it's kind of the, the new you, new me kind of ethos seems to be out there at the minute that if you if you are going out there to hire a coach, whether it be yourself, myself or Ben, is kind of go into the gym, go in, have a chat, have a free consultation with the PTs out there, do your research on them, look at their social media, what kind of message are they getting out there and see how much research they've actually put into the, the consultation with you. Are they sending you over a questionnaire beforehand? Are they doing a, a movement screening? Are they kind of checking in what injuries you're kind of uh, that you've had previously? Whether your shoulders or your knees or your hips, or are they sticking you under the squat rack just for the sake of sticking you under a squat rack? Are they kind of getting you on the leg press, or if you have a shoulder injury, are they getting you to do overhead presses or full on lateral raises and stuff like that? So it is important to kind of if you are going out to get a coach or a trainer, are they actually listening to you? It's all good and well you adhering to a diet but it does need to be an, an approach a tailored approach on both ends I think that's kind of what hasn't happened sometimes previously from what I've seen anyway but um, like I'm not uh, tailored approaches are amazing but look here Joe Wicks inspired you yeah yeah. A, a, a generic plan and system and follow but it gave you that accountability you were motivated you knew what to do and you were seeing the progress so I'm not dissing uh, generic programs I think they're amazing and they're doing brilliant jobs because they're given uh, they're given assumptions and they're based on education and based on what normally does work well but I'm just saying that there is more than one option and that tailored tailor approach will be more beneficial and things like that um, but that might not always be the case for someone's budget for someone's location etc 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 so like we can you can't I'm giving a balanced view here we can um, you're sitting here right now delivering this podcast from a Joe Wicks plan, which is amazing. So it's not dissing. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not dissing the whole generic. I'm not dissing. It. I'm not on one side or the other. I just know my my approach now would be kind of the tailored approach. I know I came from a a generic approach, and that worked for me, but that may not work for someone else. I just, if someone wants a generic approach, by all means, and go for it. I'm not dissing people that kind of give out that that advice and stuff like that. I think whatever works for someone, 100% go for it. So if someone wants to go keto or intermittent fasting, and that's the diet for them. I was I, I met one of the, I met a few people for a coffee before I came on air with yourself, and she was talking about doing keto, um, and kind of asking her a few questions about it and stuff like that. 
and that's the approach she wants to take and if that works for her happy days uh and but that 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 personally wouldn't work for me if that makes any sense so yeah, yeah it's, it's different approaches for different people generic will work for some people and will work for some coaches and the tailor will work from other approaches as well so i can i can see both sides of things so i'm kind of glad you raised that issue that i was kind of leaning towards one side but i agree with you that i'm on i'm on both sides if that makes any sense uh one of the other things that i was kind of going to talk about was in relation to ignoring the weighing scales and that kind of leads in with the dealing with the impatience side of things a lot of people kind of get can get caught up with kind of just looking at this figure on the weighing scales uh rather than kind of doing the, the kind of the before and after photos is there any approach or is there any tack that you kind of take on with your clients in relation or any advice you can kind of give the listeners about kind of looking at the, the weighing scales and not to be all on the door so it, <laughs> I, am, I am a nuisance on this. It depends, <laughs> it depends, right? That girl I told you about, yeah. we never took one photo for it that whole year. Okay, we never, um, we never weighed ourselves um, throughout that whole process. She obviously weighed herself at the end and things like that, but I didn't uh, put a weekly weigh in and things like that. Um, I get a twenty-year-old guy. I I get him to take his. Uh, his top off every single week and get a photo of him. So there's various different methods to track your progress. Um, like I said at the start, mine was just reducing the sugars and things like that. So there's various different methods that we can use to track our progress. Now, weight, weight can be amazing. I set people weight goals um, from time to time depending on what they sort of want. It helps give them a, a, a number to hit. Um, as well, from my years of experience and things like that, I can turn around and I can say, right, Shane, you're at 80 kilo. I know that roughly that you'll look like you'll you'll be photoshoot ready at 70 kilo. I know that because I've done that time and time again. Now, with that, we need to be aware of the weight um, sort of interpretation. Now, so when we weigh ourselves there's a lot of things it's not actually giving us a reading of our our muscle mass and our fat mass and our body fat levels and things like that it gives us basically how much we weigh so with that is it can be like glycogen it can be stress we need to look at the times that we're weighing are we weighing first thing in the morning are we weighing daily how was our sleep the day before have we um went to the toilet how much water were we drinking how much salt did we have etc 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 so that's just on a weekly on a small scale business on a small scale um sort of look at that like perspective that can that can cause a whole host of emotions someone's training three times a week they're changing all these habits they're trying their best that would piss people off and so right like definitely i can relate to that i can understand that i know why that would that would piss me off but as long as that, if you're trying to get lean, you're trying to lose body fat and things like that, as long as that scale weight is going down over the grand scheme of things. So we need to be able to interpret that much. We need to be able to interpret that. And if, for example, that is causing you stress, that is causing you to, for example, change your dietary habits for the negative. Like, for example, I've heard stories about Weight Watchers, about people taking laxatives, about people starving themselves on their way day and things like that. If that's causing those issues, it's up to yourself to be aware of that and to change that. Like, I can't turn around and say, um, when is bad. Uh, to be honest, it, it can be great. 
but it is up to your own sort of um, uh, your own sort of consciousness and control of how you emotionally react. So if there's an emotional reaction to that that's actually detrimenting your progress, then yeah, we need to take a step back and use a different method. Um, no method will be reliable and valid all the time and that's why it's hard because we want to know that we're progressing um like put it this way imagine you put 10 pound in the bank every single day you would want to know your balance at the end of the week you would want to know that there's money there you would want to see the 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 reward for the, the suffering and sacrifice now not saying diet and suffering and things like that but the, you would want to know for the effort probably a better way of describing it so when can be beneficial, but what you need to be what you need to be aware of is the interpretation of that. And over a grand scheme of things, you want to know that it's going down. And we want to, when we're judging our progress, um, we want to take a look at not just one small factor, but overall factors. So you might have not, uh, like for example, let's go into a story again. Last night I was training, and my strength was shit. So it was, it was shit. It was nowhere near where I usually need to be. Now, I could turn around and I could get very annoyed at that. Um, but I need to take a bigger picture. This week, I've had a very stressful week. I've had a very busy week. I've had a lot going on with family issues, psychological issues. I haven't had the best sleep this week. My food wasn't the best. I was out drinking for New Year's Eve and things like that. So... I can't turn around and get annoyed at my strength because there's so many factors, the reason why my strength was poor. So, yeah, um, that's how I would approach that, is approach the interpretation and realise that, no, uh, we need progress, um, but just um, not to get too attached to a number. And if you are, we need to change what, how we're measuring. I loved, I love your point there. I think the last point is kind of a bit that will resonate with me through kind of having a chat with you over the last little while is the the fact that there's so many different factors that can affect you in the gym. Um, and we we're kind of talking off air what's going on personally for yourself, that you're out drinking on New Year's and you went into the gym and you weren't performing at 100%. But rather than kind of getting pissed off and throwing the toys out of the pram and giving up or whatever you were kind of like you took a step back at the situation and analyzed it and kind of said do you know what x y and z is why i wasn't performing 100 percent in the gym while i get pissed off so you've, you're going to go back into this week and try and change one or two or three of those habits and kind of get back on track i think that's what a lot of people may struggle with is kind of that they want to see the results there and then and they don't take that step back and that's one of the things that I'm kind of reading a lot about is that if something isn't going right you almost kind of either write down a journal and kind of go back at it in about three or four weeks and then say oh that's that's actually why this x y or z happened so that I, I love that point Ben thank you so much for that I think that's going to be worthwhile with the, with the guys that are out there let's look at it this way you've mentioned and I've mentioned the word habits throughout so that was one week now, if I turn that into two weeks, three weeks, that would become shitty habits. So that one workout will not break me and one workout will not make me. So again, it's just taking that overall, uh, it's having a trust in the process and realizing that it's a habitual thing. So that's where, that's a, that's a scenario where the sustainable approach has done me good. 
Uh, because I know that over the bigger picture, I'm doing better things. I'm eating better. I'm training better. I'm sleeping better. And that's how I was able to do that. Because if you do something two, three, four, five, six, that's a bad habit. But because I know that's a one-off, a poor week and things like that, I know that this week I'll be going into the new week with a completely different uh, sort of outlook on things. So, yeah, that word habits is just, that's a big sort of thing to think about. Yeah, um, I know... Uh, I think one of the last things I kind of want to talk to you about is you kind of mentioned it earlier about the, the kind of sleep and you mentioned it there that your sleep hasn't been great this week. Is there any kind of protocols or anything that you would suggest? I know it's everyone's different and it all depends, but is there one or two points that you would kind of say, whether it be supplements to aid sleep or whether it be to get off your phone or your laptop or your TV, is there anything that you kind of follow or that has worked for you previously in the past? So my uh, my sort of um, awareness measure that I might not be I might not be well rested is and it is hard because it's now I'm getting back into a routine and things like that, is if I set my I get up at the same time um, every single day and if I need my alarm clock to wake me up, that's a sign that I'm not rested. Um, and I'm not in a routine. So I wake up at 6 o'clock every single morning, and that's when my alarm clock is, and I usually wake up before that because I've built that routine. Now, this takes a long time to get to. I'm not saying that this is something that I've done from the get-go, but I need to wake up before my alarm clock. So the best thing I would say is get a re- uh, get go to bed around the same time and get up at the same time. Now, on the weekends and stuff, I, I'll be a bit lax on that. I won't I won't have the alarm clock, but generally I would get up around 7 or 8 and things like that. On a Sunday, I would get up usually um, about half 6 on the Saturday, etc. So I don't mind that. But overall, having that sort of mechanism of trying to get up at the same time every single day um has done me very good and when I when I get to the point where my alarm clock goes uh, that's a little bit of a trigger for me I need to take a little bit more rest maybe do a nap maybe um, take a bit time off the next week or whatever or um, try to like for example every single night I sit with my girlfriend and watch Netflix now that's not the most beneficial thing for sleep um, basically if we're watching some form of TV and things like that it can affect things like our melatonin levels um, through that blue light but anyways, um, I val- like I don't mind doing that. It's a chance for me to uh, have time with my girlfriend. But if I get in that trigger that I'm not waking up with my alarm clock, then I would maybe look into stopping that for a short period of time and getting well rested and focus on the sleep. Now, that's one mechanism I've built up to, and it's really good. It's me- it helps me be self-aware. But other things that you could do to help your sleep is you could stop using blue light late at night, stop sending your phone. I generally try to come off my phone at 10pm. Um, other things you can look at is having a having carbohydrate meal before your bed, um, making your room environment much better. So like using your bedroom just for your bedroom for basically sleeping um, and getting chains and stuff, making your room super dark. Um, if you've got a lot of psychological things going on, writing it down, journaling, um, catching up on sleep later in the week, and generally just tracking your sleep. 
um, would be another one. You can look into supplementations, things like zinc magnesium, melatonin, um, HDP, etc. They're later on down the line. Um, you could as well look at your stress management. So are you taking time out? Are you um, just being aware of yourself and things like that? You could get into so a whole host of things. I'd recommend a book, as I said, a guy, Matthew Walker, Why We Sleep, really good book, and just start to see the value of sleep. But that's one mechanism uh, that I do, and it's helped me with sleep. And, uh, yeah, I don't get super geeky. I've been really geeky on sleep before and done heart rate variability and done had these blue light glasses and took certain supplements and stuff before. But now I'm just at the stage where I just try to get up before my alarm clock and uh, get into a routine of going to bed around the same time and waking up around the same time. That's all I like. I was I was going to mention the Matthew Walker book because it's literally above my head as we're kind of having this podcast. It's I think it's probably one of the best books I've read this year, and it's very simplified. His the approach in the book as well. It's very easy to understand. Um, if there was one, if there was one takeaway point that you were to kind of make sure you were getting your point across from the whole podcast today, what would be your main takeaway point? Getting lean in twenty nineteen is psychological. Um, I, I haven't went madly into specific details here because I don't feel it's the the, the biggest thing that's uh, necessary. Um, I'm trying to get my biggest point across and uh, the biggest point is that a lot of this is psychological and that when you get your head in check, um, getting leaned easy. Um, it is a matter of finding out where you're going wrong, what you need to do and how you're going to go about it and the details will come um, once you start seeing progress and you start learning more and putting in the actions and things like that. Um, there isn't a one-size-fits-all approach, um, but it's finding an approach that works best for you. Um, on this journey, last seven years of training, getting better shape, getting healthier, there's never been, it's never been successful. Like It's never been an upright battle. It's been up and down. There's been goods and bads. There's been lessons learned. There's been wins made. Um, but there's a progression forward on the bigger picture. That, I, I, I love that. that it, it is all psychological. It is literally one of the things I would say is kind of that you, you need to know your reason why. And, I, and some I, I find that myself. I, I've I've written down my reason why for last year, and it's almost it's, it has one hundred percent changed uh, for for twenty nineteen. So I think to understand what your reason why is, whether it's a uh, whether it's a photo you look back at, or whether it's someone that said something to you previously when you were younger, you kind of use that as for fuel, or else whether it's just to feel happier and kind of feel a little bit more sexy around your husband or wife or whatever it may be. But but I Ben, you're you're. What you said today is amazing. I think it's it a lot a lot a lot of takeaway points and it's a lot of f- food for thought. I really appreciate you coming on. I wish you the best of luck with the the guy talk podcast. I wish you the best of luck in kind of with your your training and stuff like that and your online coaching and your PT up in Belfast. And I really appreciate you coming on today. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. And yeah, I hope that was valuable for yourself. And if it was, let myself or let Shane know what you took away from today. Thank you, guys. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Ben. Talk to you soon.